This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. After reading a number of your emails, I've come to the conclusion that we're beginning tonight's show with a program you've told me is one of your favorites, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, the format best remembered was instituted by writer-director Jack Johnston. Each case usually started with a phone call from an insurance adjuster calling on Johnny to investigate an unusual claim. And each story, of course, required Johnny to travel to some distant locale, usually within the United States, but sometimes abroad, where he was almost always threatened with personal danger in the course of his investigations. Johnny usually stuck to business, but would sometimes engage in romantic dalliances with women he encountered in his travels. Now, each story was recounted in flashback, and every few minutes, the action would be interrupted by Johnny listing a line item from his expense account, which served as an effective scene transition. Most of the expense account related to transportation, lodging, meals, But no incidental expense was too small for Johnny to itemize as item nine, ten cents, aspirin, I needed them. Here's tonight's offering, Skull Canyon Mine. This is another in the adventures of America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. At insurance investigation, Johnny Dollar is only an expert. At making out his expense account, he's an absolute genius. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Old Caledonia Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Oscar M. Wheaton, Chief Investment Counsel. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my investigation of suspected skullduggery in the Skull Canyon mine. Or, uh, Mr. Bones, who was that lady I seen you with last night? Or, messing with a mule train is one good way to kick off. Expense account item one. 25 cents. Tip to busboy who brought telephone to my table at the Blue Danube restaurant, Robertson Boulevard, Los Angeles. Uh, where I happened to be uh, working on a case. Your call came right after the liver dumpling soup, taking me out of the soup plate and putting me in the soup. Now, this is the story, Dollar. You make notes and don't interrupt. Two years ago, this company made an investment in a bona fide working gold mine, the Skull Canyon Mine. That's just outside Twin Buttes, Arizona. I see. I said don't interrupt. That's just over the border from Nogales, Mexico. Now, up until three months ago, everything was fine. The profits shown by the mine were good. And then suddenly... Our returns dropped 50%. However, operating expenses, man hours, and so on remain the same, indicating there's been no fall-off in the removal of high SAR. Now, there's something wrong. 
We want you to go down there and find out what it is. Expense account? Item two. $12.80. I decided that since you'd invited yourself to the table, dinner at the Blue Danube was on you. Oh, in case you're interested in what you didn't have, it was uh, that liver dumpling soup, veal paprikash, cherry strudel, and a small coffee. Enjoyed with that case I was working on. An eccentric millionaire who wanted to marry me for her money. She had yes, yes in her eyes, but when I told her I had to say goodnight immediately, she said, Oh, no. Expense account, item three. $120. Burns Lee Flying Service. Charter plane to Twin Buttes, where I checked into the Waterfield Hotel, called the mine, and told the girl who answered that I wanted transportation out there. She said she'd come after me. Having seen too many Western movies, I figured she'd arrive in a buckboard, but instead she picked me up in a Jeep. Hey, slow down, will you? Before my teeth start falling out. Oh, sorry. I, um, forgot you were tenderfoot. That's not where I'm tender. Oh. Uh, by the way, Miss Borland, how far is it out to the mine? 23 miles. Oh, no. Is the road like this all the way? Oh, no. About another half mile out of town, there isn't any road at all. Oh, oh if I ever live through this. From now on, I'm taking my bumps in the burlesque theater. Oh. Much better than walking, mister. Uh, Say, uh, you said you're out here representing the owners. Uh, What's your job? Uh, well, I'm a, an efficiency expert. Oh. Uh, speaking of efficiency, what's your first name? Jackie. Oh, well, in that case, mine should be Gwendolyn. But it's not. It's Johnny. Well, let's not bother shaking hands on us, pal. Here comes the end of the road. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> was jumping around like a home movie. My teeth were trying to find out how much abuse my uppers would take from my lowers. I felt like I was gradually being hammered down from a tall, thin man into a short, round one. And there I was, caught without my rhinestone-studded motorcycle belt. Well, here you are. Want me to help you out? Oh, very funny. <laughs> Get lost, you little monster. I admit I look like a bag of bones, but I'm too young to die. Go on, I'll beat it. I'll be a good dog now. Lie down, Nugget. Down. Yeah, Nugget, drop dead. This is the mine office? This is it. Well, Dollar, welcome to Skull Canyon. I'm Doyle, the manager out here. I'd be happier to meet you if I met you in town. Mr. Dollar's in a foul mood, Jeff. That ride was a little too much for him. That ride would have been a little bit too much for Buffalo Bill. <laughs> well, that's how Jackie keeps that figure as trim as she does. Now, come on inside, Dollar. That's where his books are, and that's where the chairs are. With cushions, I hope. I'll see you guys. All right. Sit down. Thanks. Oh. Oh. Well, there you are. You'll find all the figures right in that big, fat book. Yeah. All but Jackie's. Well, I'm not in any hurry to do my arithmetic. Tell me, uh, what do you think of the results around here? You know more about than I do? How are things going? Well, Dollar, I'll tell you. It was going better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Just a few months back, we worked out a pay vein. I'm hoping we'll pick it up again any day now. That sounds reasonable. Any trouble? 
Help, equipment, working conditions? Well, working conditions could be a lot better, but that, that's a geographical problem. You see, the mine is located here, and the big water supply is eight miles west. We haul the ore across the desert by mule train to the smelter. It's cheaper than trucks. We'd have to build a road for them. Not here, hay is cheaper than gasoline. Uh, you'd um, like to take a look at the mine? Frankly, Mr. Doyle, I'd just as soon climb up a chimney. I hate dark, confined spaces. But since it's part of my job, I might as well get it over with. The entrance into the mine was through an attic, a horizontal shaft into the side of a hill. We rode in on the tail end of a small red dynamite car, drawn by a donkey junior grade, a burrow. It was cooler in there, but I started to sweat the minute we left sunlight and fresh air behind us. I could hear the jackhammers nibbling little gold ear bobs out of the quartz rock for the Christmas tree. Then I heard them stop, and Doyle told me why. Uh, sounds like they're about ready to blast. Oh, great. Oh, open your mouth and cover your eyes. A hundred and fifty yards deeper into the earth, I was beginning to think that mankind is mighty hard to satisfy. The Lord gave us the world's whole surface. Then we had to go and invent gold mines and airplanes. And right then, I'd have settled for an airplane. Oh, what's the matter, Dollar? You look a little green. Oh, feel a little green. Well, look, look, take some deep breaths and hold them as long as you can. Okay. Yeah, there, that's, that'll work you up. Well, this is it. Right here is the only face we're working. Ah, uh, doesn't help. So this is it, huh? Well, let's see the rest of it. Well, I told you, this is it. This is the only face we're working. Okay, you guys. Keep it moving. Hold that off. Fill them up. Come on, bend your back. <laughs> well, let's get out of here, Dollar. Okay, Doyle. I've seen what I came to see. And I also figured I had heard what I came to hear. Dinner that night I had with Doyle and Jackie, and the steak they served gave me a rough idea of what they did with their old burrows. Doyle's attitude gave me a rough idea that maybe he'd seen my eyes light up when I heard those jackhammers snorting away in some other part of the mine, just after he had told me that where we were standing was the only place being worked. After dinner, Doyle went back to the mine, leaving me alone with Jackie, which was better than dessert. Uh... By the way, Jackie, just what's your job out here? Oh, I'm just sort of a secretary and bookkeeper and chief driver. Uh-huh. How'd you happen to land here in Skull Canyon? Well, I took the job because I was going to marry the man who was the manager then. Doyle's old boss. I met him in college. He was a mining engineer. His name was Larry Hodges. Well, what happened? I was left at the altar. When I got out here, he was gone. Guess he got stage fright and changed his mind. Anyway, nobody's heard from him since. Least of all me. Come on, I'll show you where you sleep. It was a real romantic night. Old Nugget the dog was carrying on a long-distance conversation with his country cousins, the coyotes up in the hills. The air was soft and warm, and so was Jackie's arm. Stars hung low. 
And so did my spirits when she bid me goodnight after she introduced me to my roommate. Hiya, sonny. An old mule skinner named Kangaroo. I make yourself comfortable. Oh, by chance. Well, better than a sand bed and a saddle pillar. Hmm. Ah. uh, For a pine shack, this has a mighty fancy floor. What is it, mahogany? No, tobacco juice. Helps keep out the sidewinders. What do you mean, help? Little snake critters crawl in out of the hot sun to get cool. Where are you from, sonny? Uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Well, I'll be turned to. I don't reckon it shows through, but I'm an Easterner myself. I'm out from New York State 53 years ago. Little town of Prattville. County seat it was. Hmm, that's pretty dull. What'd you say? Oh, nothing. Say, uh... Are you the one that handles the mules on the run out to the smelter? I'm one of them. Well, how's chances of hitching a ride with you in the morning? You'll have to get up early. All right, then I'll get up early. Well, then stop wasting your breath on a lot of dang fool words. Use some on the kerosene lamp. Quick! Night! I lay awake about that jackhammer I'd heard working the supposedly inactive end of the Skull Canyon mine earlier that day. This didn't take too much pounding into my skull before I decided that Doyle was working on a vein for his own personal profit. I also knew that for him to convert the ore into gold, he had to get it to a smelter. So I figured that the mule skinner, Kangaroo, was the best place to start asking questions. Ah, it's funny how a sleepless night can sour the beauty of a desert sunrise. Get there. The sun's getting awful hot. Why, it ain't nothing, Sonny. Some days that old sun's got your tongue hanging out your fur. Get your real nice tan. Uh, how do you stand it? Hey, what's that stomach pump doing way out here? Stomach pump? What in tarnation are you talking about? Uh, that's a clever name for a light airplane. Hey, looks like he's getting ready to give us a buzz. Hey, hey, mules! Hey, you, Monroe! If you ever want to panic a team of mules, just buzz them with an airplane. The second thing I learned was that little canyon we were approaching was loaded with armed horsemen who came galloping out like they were trying to make history at San Ferran. The 
gunman didn't do anything to me except hold me at bay while the plane picked itself a landing and disgorged its one-man air force. Buenos dias, amigos. Why, you don't look happy to see me. Maybe my friend scares you with their guns, eh? Hey, old man. Who is this new boy who rode with you today? His name's Dolly. Right now, I wish it was Hopalong Cassidy. Well, let me introduce myself. They called me El Puerco. That's because I look like a pig. <laughs> but maybe it is because I'm so greedy, too. I want what you got with you. Why gold in your miserable son beach high? Now, take it easy, old timer. It's okay. All I've got on me is a wristwatch and a few bucks. Let them have them. And besides, what's he going to do with a wagon load of unrefined gold ore? <laughs> you talk like a little boy. I know what you have with you, and I know where it is. It's under the seat. A little white bags. $30,000 of pure gold. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, hardly a clue to start on, and the witnesses' stories of hopeless variants. That was the job that the Birmingham, Alabama police faced in the murder called The Case of the Hue and Cry. Later tonight on Gangbusters, Birmingham's own police chief comes to CBS to tell you how they tracked down the apparently unmotivated murder. Be sure to hear this true-to-life police story, reenacted on Gangbusters. Gangbusters and the Adventures of Philip Marlowe are regular Saturday night features on most of these same CBS stations. Now, with our star, Charles Russell, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. So there I was, Johnny Dollar, efficiency expert. I had efficiently gotten myself in trouble. It was efficiently letting El Puerco walk off with a large pot of your gold and stood a good chance of efficiently getting myself shot in the belly. There we are, amigos. I feel better now the gold is in my little aeroplane. I hope you're not mad with me. You know, I need the money to pay my taxes. <laughs> okay, okay, you got what you wanted. Why don't you take off and get out of here? That ding-dang rascal, he's probably figured on shooting us. Oh, no, old man. I'm a very scientific bandido. You think I want to shoot you and get killed myself for murder? Oh, no. I let your mules do the dirty work. Well, Manuel, Pedro, Juanito, here, adelante. If these men had tied them up, tie them to the stake back to back, and the rest of you tie up the mules in a circle around them, in nice clothes. Then I will get them a little aeroplane and dive on the mules. And the mules will kick their heads off. <laughs> Pitching horseshoes may be fun, but not when they're being pitched at your head by a mule. Once we were tied back to back on a stake, the nearest available technical advisor, Kangaroo, was anything but encouraging. That's your trouble with a gold darn mule. When they get riled up, they think with their feet. 
Here he comes. Showed him. Yeah. I ain't stunned mules 40 years for nothing. I can handle them. Oh, nice going, Tangaroo. Now, listen, Sonny, I got me an idea. Yeah, what is it? Well, go something like this. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh! Just as the idea, whatever it was, hit Kangaroo, a hook from one of the mules scored a ringer around my cranium. Ah, the stars look beautiful. They came out in the shape of a horseshoe. And as I slipped into that familiar Betty Bye for private eyes, the world of hit-on-the-head darkness, I could hear Kangaroo's advice, too little and too late. Ah, uh, you see? You can never trust a mule. Never trust a mule. Never trust a mule. A long time later, the curtains of my eyelids went up on the next act. But something was wrong. The stage was still dark. The stars were still there, but not in a horseshoe pattern. I closed my eyes and dreamed some more. I was lying near an oasis in the Sahara Desert, and a beautiful maiden was bending over me, kissing me. She was breathing hard. She's going to use some sense then. Huh? Nugget, get away from me, you mangy cur. Nugget, get away from me. Johnny, you crazy. Huh? What? Jackie. Oh, what are you doing out here? Well, take it easy, pal. It's a darn good thing I am out here. You getting yourself kicked in the head. Let's just say the wrong end of a horse got mixed up with the wrong end of a mule. Where's the kangaroo? Where are the mules? What's going on? Johnny, relax, relax. Kangaroo and the mules are on their way back to the mine. Oh, where's uh, Pancho Tortilla? Who? There was a Mexican bandit out here. The greatest piece of typecasting since the Gutenberg Bible. Oh, El Puerco. Yeah. Yeah, Kangaroo told me about him. Come on now. Try to get up. Come on. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, what happened to you? Your clothes are all torn. Yeah. This is Mr. Doyle's idea of a proposal of marriage. We were hmm? supposed to fly off together to South America tonight. Been planning it for a long time. Well, what made you change your mind? Oh, you know how it is. Best laid plans of mice and men. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to an expert. Everything went all right for me. Where would I be next week? Same time, same station. But, but what's your angle? I told you before. I came out to Skull Canyon to marry a man. I've reason to believe that Doyle did away with him to get his job so he could milk the mine. Well, I stayed on and acted just interested enough in Doyle to get him nice and relaxed. Hoping he'd spill something. Well, so far all it's been is bragging up life in South America with him. Mm. Now, I I hope you can help me. And I know I can help you. How? Well, Doyle set up a refining layout right in the mine. When the gold he's been stealing comes out, it's pure gold. Aha. Uh-huh. Then somebody in the mine must have tipped off El Puerco. Mm-hmm, Doyle did. Oh. He and El Puerco are working together. El Puerco's job was to get the gold across the border and you out of the way. I see. Well, listen, you ever been in the mine? I mean, could you show me the way the refining layout? Oh, no, no. Doyle's never let me inside. Well, how about the charts of the mine? They're in the safe. I've got the combination. If we can just get in without Doyle seeing me, I can get them. I'll leave that to me. Come on, let's get going. If, wait a minute. How do we get back? Well, I came out in the jeep. Oh, my aching head. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
this is close enough, Star Eyes. We better pull up right here. All right. The wedding may be off, but it sounds like the reception is still on. No, that's the regular Saturday night square dance. Oh. Well, look, from here, which way is the office? I I'm lost. Right over here. Oh. Come on, I'll show you. You were in it yesterday. When we rounded the corner of the office building, my heart was doing a dozy go. safe was open, and so was the mouth of the fellow in front of us, but he wasn't saying anything. He was lying on the floor, dead. El Puerco, the pig. Oh, what a spot for a big red apple. Johnny, dead. He must come back for something. Kangaroo must have caught up with him. Oh, whoever caught up with him, caught up with him, but good. Come on, let's go take a look for Kangaroo. Careful, darling. Doll may be in there. Boy, tight spots really give that word darling a good workout, don't they? Okay, darling. Wait out here. I'll be careful. Uh, say, partner, huh? you seen kangaroo around here? Kangaroo? Yeah. Well, sure. Kangaroo came in here uh, looking for Doyle. Well, did he find him? Well, uh, don't know. Doyle went over to the mine. Is that where kangaroo went? Well, if I was looking for Doyle, that's where I'd go. Thank you, bottleneck. I don't know why I was in such a hurry heading straight into trouble. But the trouble started popping before we got to it. Oh, poor kangaroo. Jackie was only guessing, but I could only hope she wasn't guessing right. Johnny, hmm? Johnny I thought I saw something flashing just inside. Probably somebody's last spark of life. Now, take it easy. You stay right here. I'll move in from the side of the entrance. No, I don't... Oh, all right. Be careful. Oh. oh. He sure got you good, partner. Okay, Jackie. You can relax. The right man got it. Your play man. Mr. Doyle. Hey, kangaroo! You can come on now. Everything's all right. It's us. Jackie and Dollar. Anyway, uh, make a move, uh, shoot you down. Hey, what the... Harry! Anyway, uh... Harry, you mean the guy you thought was dead? The guy you were supposed to marry? Yes. Oh, Larry. Larry died. I'll... I'll kill you. your first interest was feeding your mules so that you didn't get mixed up in all that shooting. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, when three bad eggs like Hodges and Doyle and El Puerco get together double-crossing each other, they all gotta wind up in the omelet. 
Account item four, six dollars and ten cents. One quart snake bite medicine, 32 ounces of prevention in uh, case a snake should bite me. Item five, three dollars and forty cents, with which I purchased the nicest gift I could think of for a gal in Jackie Moreland's position. A telegram to you requesting that you give her a job she very much deserved the managership of the Skull Canyon Mine. You see, when she first found out that man she was going to marry didn't love her. He took out her affection on the territory, which makes me very sorry that I wasn't born in the state of Arizona. Uh, expense account item six, $164.35. Uh, transportation, Twin Buttes to Hartford. Uh, expense account total, $947.99, which makes just about as much sense as you can make without making a dollar. Signed, yours, uh, no charge for that double talk. Uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes and stars Charles Russell. Script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd. Featured in the cast were Dora Singleton, John Daner, Willard Waterman, Fred Howard, and Don Diamond. The special music is written and conducted by Leith Stevens. Your announcer is Paul Masterson. Stay tuned for the Martin and Lewis Show. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Burt Lancaster, featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. When they begin the beginning, it brings back a night of tropical splendor. We've got so many bills to pay. It'll take all the money we got saved up in the bank. Don't worry, Dean. I've heard about people putting a little away in a sugar bowl each week, and that's what I've been doing. Well, Jerry, that's great. How much you got saved? 283 lumps. 
Ah, oh, come on, Jerry. This is serious. Just look at this meal we got. Bills, 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 bills. All we got are bills. All right, we got bills. But don't forget, Bill's probably getting ours. <laughs> Bill's probably getting ours. <laughs> Bill's probably getting ours. Oh, I hate myself. <laughs> now, look, Jerry, never mind about the bills. The bills, bills, a bill. Let's worry about the bills that are billed to us. All right, now try Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pepper. But, Jerry, just look at all these bills. Grocer, butcher, landlord, gardener. Gardener? Now, wait a minute. We live in an apartment. We don't have a gardener. Oh, that bill is okay, Dean. What do you mean it's okay? It's a bill for pruning, cutting, mowing, and trimming ragged edges. Seven dollars. I'm sorry, Dean. I thought it would be cheaper than going to a barber. (laughs) Jerry, you don't seem to realize that we haven't even got enough money to pay the rent. We could be evicted. We just have to make some extra money somewhere. Hey, you see, you want to make some extra money? Well, I'm just the guy who can fix you up. Ah, Sophie, now, wait a minute. You're our next-door neighbor. Have you been standing with your ear pressed up against the wall? I never press my ear against your walls. Why should I when I got that nice, neat hole drilled in the baseboard? Oh, that's wonderful. I suppose you tried the view through our keyhole. I have never looked through your keyhole. It's against my principles. You fellas got a Yale lock, and as you can see, I'm a Harvard man. Now, look, Sophie, I wish you'd stop listening to our private conversation. Well, pal, I can help you. You know, you boys need money, and I know where you can pick up a couple of hundred bucks just like that. Well, I don't know. Your schemes always sound phony to me. Phony, he says. Why, there's nothing phony about this. There's a friend of mine who just brought a circus into town. A circus? Mm -hmm. I love to go to the circus. Boy, those circuses, and and they have peanuts and pink lemonade. Oh, those circuses, they have hot dogs, soda pop, and Cokes, and hamburgers, and cotton candy, molasses, apples... More hot dogs, more peanuts, more cotton candy, and... And Dean... What? Burp me. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Jerry, we couldn't work for a circus. We don't know anything about it. Sure we could, Dean. There's lots of things we could do. Maybe I could be the master of ceremonies. Hey, how about it, Sophie? Mm, uh, No. What do you suggest? Uh, Let me see you wiggle your hips. Oh, don't be silly, Sophie. Jerry couldn't be a hoochie-coochie dancer. Wait a minute, Dean Martin. I'll have you know my hoochie is just as coochie as anyone. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, um, just so happens I have a slight acquaintance with a little troop of lifters, and uh, maybe I could get you a job there. Lifters? Yeah. Oh, boy, that's for me. <laughs> just a second, kid. Take it easy. People's wallets ain't gonna be that heavy. <laughs> Wait a minute, Sophie. Are you suggesting that I become a pot bigot? A... <laughs> you suggesting I become a big pocket? I mean, a big pocket? A pocket? A... Hey, uh, kid, have, uh, have you ever tried Peter Piper picked a sack of pickled peoples? <laughs> well, look, boys, you think it over, and if you decide you want to come along with me and wait for the psychos, strictly on the up and up, you understand, I will be waiting for you downstairs. Well, I don't know about this. We'll, we'll do it, Sophie. You leave Dean to me. Okay, I'll see you at the circus. Jerry, did you tell Sophie would take him up on his offer? Sure, Dean. Gee whiz, we need the money. You said so yourself. I know. Well, can you suggest any other way we can make some money that quick? No. Okay, then. Gee, Dean, the circus really appeals to me. I love anything that's full of crazy people. Circus is full of crazy people? Sure. Didn't you ever hear of acrobats? 
don't, don't, don't you get it, Dean? No, I don't get it. Well, I'll explain it to you. The acros are bats. It seems like a joke. Acro is for the acrobats, but the bat, the end of the word part, is like crazy. People say nuts, bats, all those. And it's crazy. It's like a big joke. And everybody laughs at a joke like this. And oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> I'll be down to get you in a taxi, honey Well, you better be ready around a half past six Baby, don't you be late I want to be there when the band starts, honey Just remember when we get there, honey Two steps, one, a half of them all Dance of both of my shoes When they play the jelly roll blues Come out at night at the dark time Strut it up down, down to get you in Taxi, honey, well, the better be ready Around a half past eight Now, baby, well, don't you be late I want to be there when the band starts, honey Well, just remember when we get there, honey Two steps, one, I have them all Dance off both of my shoes Well, when they play the jelly Tomorrow night at the Dark Town Studders Ball. Well, good, but the fact remains, Jerry, we still need money to pay our bills. I guess we'll have to go down to the circuit and see what Soapy can do for us. I knew you'd see it my way. You're a real pal, Dean. Come in. Who is it? It's me. <laughs> oh, it's Florence, our secretary. Hiya, Florence. Hello. Florence, guess what? Maybe Dean and I will go to work for a circus. Oh, really? Oh, Mr. Martin, you'll be wonderful in a circus. I can just see you standing there in a leopard skin with hundreds of women admiring your wonderful physique. What about me? What do you think I could do, Florence? Da 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 da. <laughs> you too, huh, Florence? Say, maybe I could be the dancer. I'm lovely. I'm engaged. I use Chiron tablets. <laughs> You really like the circus, huh, Florence? Oh, yeah. That's where I met my dream man, Charlie. Charlie. He used to hang by his teeth from a trapeze 300 feet in the air. And in 15 years, Charlie's teeth never let go. <laughs> really? No. Of course, Charlie fell four times. <laughs> became a barker for a flea circus. Oh, that's nothing. I used to know a barker who was a flea circus. <laughs> barker who was a flea circus. <laughs> Dean. What? Scratch me. Be glad to. What race you running in? <laughs> with the circus. Maybe you can work your way up and finally get a job with a real big circus. You know, Ringling Brothers in Barnum and Belly. <laughs> Barnum and Belly? Barnum, <laughs> it's not Barnum and Belly. <laughs> it's Barnum and Stomach. <laughs> Jerry, 
if we're going to try to make some money at the circus, we better get on over there. Okay, Dean. So long, Florence. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. back here behind these tents with all the circus people? Yeah. Hey, Dean, look at that ping-pong game. And isn't it wonderful how they're playing without paddles? Those are you bangies. They can do a lot of things with those lips. <laughs> hey, Dean, let, let's walk around. All right. Hey, Dean, look. The rubber man. Gee. Look how we can stretch. Hi, you kids. You having fun looking around? Sure, Sophie. We were just going over to look at the rubber man. Oh, yeah, the rubber man. You're a personal friend of mine, you know. Jim Fisk. Fifty. <laughs> Fifty thousand miles without a retread. <laughs> Come around after the show and introduce you to his family. Wife and four little white sidewalls. <laughs> Well, Sophie, we're here. Now, remember, you said we could make some uh, extra money here at the circus. Yeah, yeah, I know. Relax, will you? I'm going to show you a surefire way to make money at the circus. Really? How? I am going to put you in a ticket boot, see? And I will teach you how to make change the Sophie Leonard way. <laughs> yes, sir, you will make a fortune. Honest? Bless you, stupid little heart. <laughs> Why, of course it's honest. Now, now look, I'll show you how. Say, for instance, a guy comes up to the window, see? He gives you a $10 bill for two tickets. Now, what you say is you say, two tickets, that is $2. Here is your change. Three, four, five. See? And then the ruby says, hey, wait a minute. He says, I gave you a $10 bill. And you say, was only five. Now beat it, bud. You're holding up the line. Gee, that sounds easy. Can I try it? Yeah, sure you can. Step behind the ticket booth. Uh, uh, here comes a customer. Go ahead, kid. Uh, I want two tickets. Here's a dollar. The tickets are two dollars, and here's your change. Three, four, and five. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I only give you one dollar bill. It was a five. Now beat it, bud. You're holding up a <laughs> Yeah, you're a shifty one, all right. Between the ears, fluid drive. <laughs> You'll have to find something else for you boys to do. Well, let me see. Uh, how about the baseball game? Baseball game? Yeah, the baseball game. All that needs is a guy with a good voice and then another guy with a good head on his shoulders. Well, that's us. Dean's got a good voice. <laughs> well, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> As I was saying, the guy with the voice, he stands out front saying he gives with the spiel. Uh-huh. And, and, and what about me, the, the guy with the head on his shoulders? You go around and back. You put your head through a little hole on the canvas, and the customers throw baseballs at it. <laughs> well, what do you say? Bye. <laughs> well, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go now. I'm halfway through a game of tic-tac-toe on a tattooed lady's back. Uh, good luck. See you boys later. Terry, better get behind the canvas. Here comes a beautiful girl, and maybe I can help her, you know, maybe sort of get her to play the game. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up and play the baseball game. Hello, there. Hello, baby. <laughs> step 
right up. Three balls for a quarter, and you can take home any one of these big, beautiful Cupid dolls. Well, what do I have to do to take home that cute schmoo doll over there? You gotta marry me. <laughs> oh, quiet, Jerry. Okay, here's my quarter. Hold it, Dean. I'll make the change. Here you are, lady. Twenty-five, fifty, one dollar, two, three, four, and five. But I only gave you a quarter. Beat it, kid. You're holding up the line. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. She'll never be able to hit you. Now, go on. Put your head through the hole. Okay, miss. Here's the three balls. Now, the idea of the game is to hit Jerry right on the top of the head. <laughs> All right. I'll try. <laughs> Jerry, you're supposed to duck. Okay, I'll duck this time. <laughs> Something. Sure. Who the brighter peak the peak of vocal peak? Oh, here, miss. Here's your doll. Come on, Jerry. This job isn't for us. You said it. Let's get out of here. Boy, am I glad we quit that game. It was awful. All those baseballs coming out at me. Do, do I look all right? Sure. And why is that fellow over there staring at my head? I'm just trying to figure out which lump has the Tony. Why, it's Bert Lancaster! <laughs> Hello, Dean. Well, say, Mr. Lancaster, do you know my partner? No, I don't believe we've met. Well, shake hands with Jerry Lewis. Okay, Jerry, put her there. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Lancaster. You, I gave you four fingers and a thumb. Where's my chain? Beat it, kid. You're holding up the line. You know, Mr. Lancaster, we're, we're great fans of yours. Yes, yeah, you were wonderful in the killers, brute force, kissed the blood off my hands. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked them, Jerry. But I've given up those pictures where I play a brute. It's too tough a racket. Every time I do a picture, I have to beat up four or five thugs. Yeah, but you always got the beautiful girl. That's what I say. It's too tough a racket. <laughs> Mr. Lancaster. Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> but, uh, Bert, what are you doing here at the circus? Well, the owners let me do my old trapeze act for a couple of days to brush up on my acrobatic routines. Brush up? You mean you were with a circus before? Well, sure. Before I became an actor, I was with the Cole Brothers Circus for many years. Yeah, I have heard about that. Of course, I had an acrobatic act. Well, I used to hold up 16 men on my shoulders. And for an encore, I'd lift one foot off the floor. Gosh, what a act. Sure was. Only one night I got hammy, I lifted both feet off the floor. <laughs> uh, but tell me, what are you fellas doing here? Oh, a friend of ours told us to come down and work in the circus, and maybe we could pick up some extra cash. That's an idea, Dean. Maybe Mr. Lancaster would help me in his act. Well, uh, I don't know, Jerry. I don't think you've got the physique to be an acrobat. Oh, yeah? Wait till I double up my arm. Now, look at that muscle. Pretty good, huh? Well, that's perfect. Who did it for you? Max Factor? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you kidding? Why, I got muscles all over me. Look at these shoulders. Those are shoulders? <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you were wearing your Adam's apple sideways. <laughs> now, you listen to me, Mr. Lancaster. I may not look like much, but if I ever hit you, boy, you better watch out, because I'll fall right apart. <laughs> Jerry, I was only kidding. I didn't mean anything. But except you aren't just built to be an acrobat. But if you fellas are looking for a circus job, I'll find you something. Come on. Well, what have you got in mind? Well, you see this tent? That's the circus office, and the owner's in there working. Now, you've got a good voice, Dean, so you sing something, and maybe he'll hire you. 
That'll be swell for Dean. And hey, you know what I can do. Watch this. Sorry, Jerry. I'm afraid your hoochie isn't coochie enough. <laughs> what are you going to sing, Dean? I don't see me in your eyes anymore. Fine. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. Make them shine as before I don't see you Or your heart and your kiss When you should sigh That you're mine, you Oh, we'll see him pretty soon. He had to go put on his costume for the trapeze act he's going to do. But come on with me, Dean, because I just made the smartest deal so we can pick up a little money. You made a smart deal? Sure. The spiritualist, Professor Zombie, has gone to dinner, and he wants us to watch his booth here. Now, wait a minute. What are you wrapping that towel around my head for? Well, you can be the professor, and I'll get under this table and be the voice from the beyond. Well, that ought to be easy for you. You've been out of this world for years. <laughs> Okay, Jerry, now get under the table. Here comes somebody. Okay, Dean. I'm under the table. Oh, good afternoon, Professor Zombie. I'm so glad I found you in. I want to speak to my dear departed loved one. Your husband? Well, all right, if you can't get my dear departed loved one. I shall call the spirits, madam. The price will be $5. All I have is $2. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> the first thing I Quiet, want to Quiet, madam. I'm going into my trance. I will try to make contact with the spirits. Spirit, oh, spirit, if you hear me, knock on the table. Spirit, oh, spirit, if you hear me, knock. Spirit, why don't you knock? I ain't got gin yet. <laughs> Oh, 
We'll make sure it's your husband, madam. What was his name? Francois. Francois? Francois? Is that you, Francois? Oui, oui, oh la la, and Coca-Cola. <laughs> well, that's strange. My husband's full name was Francois Schulzenheimer. <laughs> that's even stranger. He was educated at Oxford. What did he say? I don't know, madam. I didn't quite catch it. There must be something wrong. Oh, spirit of Francois and the great beyond, what is the matter? It's getting pretty hot down here. <laughs> oh. That's where he went. <laughs> Thank you, Francois. Thank you, Swami. You've made me so happy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, Dean, Sherry. What do you want, Bert? Never mind the spiritualist booth. Come on with me, both of you. I got a good job for you. You have a fine. Oh, boy. Anything will be better than sitting under that table and being a voice from the beyond. Or that awful job I had before, getting hit in the head with those baseballs. Well, here's your chance to get a good job. Make some real money. It's almost time for the Lion Act, and the Lion Tamer has disappeared. Lion Tamer has disappeared? Any clues? Well, only one. The Lion just asked for a toothpick. (laughs) Oh, and my job is to get him the toothpick, huh? No, your job is to go in and tame him. Here you are, get your baseballs, reach for the water. Jerry, do you mean to say you'd be afraid to go into that cage with a lion? Yeah, he's liable to think I'm the toothpick. <laughs> Jerry, you're making a big thing out of nothing. Now look, here's his cage. Just look at him. Just a decrepit, broken-down, old, old lion. Why, why, if you yell boo at him, he'd faint with fright. Really? Uh, boo! <laughs> He must have his hearing aid turned off. <laughs> now listen, I'm not going into that lion's cage. Jerry, surely you're not afraid of that lion. Oh, yes, I am. Surely you're not a coward. Oh, yes, I am. Now, wait a minute, Dean. Jerry, surely you're not going into that lion's cage. Oh, yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> I had to my big I am. Now, look. Look, look, Mr. Lion. Dean, I'm scared. What do I do, Dean? Just hold that chair out in front of you, Jerry. Okay. I don't think he wants to sit down. <laughs> hey, Bert, this is getting serious. I think you'd better get him out of there. Yeah, okay. Put through here fast, Jerry. Is the door closed? Yeah. With the bar down? Yes. With the lock on? Yeah. What did you guys drag me out of there for? Ah, <laughs> oh, Jerry, you were scared to death. And now, ladies and gentlemen, over the center ring, we present one of the most daring, spectacular, death-defying acts of all times. Mr. Burt Lancaster performing 100 feet above the ground. Are you ready to go up, Mr. Lancaster? I'm ready, Mr. Ringmaster. But first, I'll need a volunteer to assist me on the high trapeze. Jerry, Bert's done a lot for us. You're going to volunteer, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, Jerry, you're going to help an old pal, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm not. Wait a minute, Dean. 
Jerry, you're going to refuse to go up on the high trapeze with me, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, fine. You're the volunteer. <laughs> he did it to me again. I was saying I didn't want to go up on the high trapeze, but he talked so fast, and the crowd was all looking, and I got all mixed up, and Dean... What? I made a boo-boo. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. All you got to do is put your foot in this loop of rope, and they'll haul us right up to the top of the tent. That's right. Oh, why did I ever leave that nice, comfortable lion's cage? <laughs> oh, there's nothing to this trick, Jerry. We're on separate trapezes, hanging by our knees. Now, when I give the signal, we swing out at the same time, and I catch it. You got it? Got it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Trapeze, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dean, I, I guess so. How is he? Is Jerry hurt, Dean? He says he's all right. Yeah, I'm okay, Bert, but... What, what, what went wrong? You, you didn't catch me. I can't understand it, Jerry. I haven't done the act in a long while, and maybe, I, maybe my timing was a little off. Maybe I should have given the signal a little, a little later. Maybe I should have put my hands up a little sooner. Or maybe I... Well, let's face it, Jerry. Why? I made a boo-boo. <laughs> Didn't I promise that you'd make a couple of hundred bucks if you came to the circus? Well, here you are. Here's 100, 200. Soapy, $200? What for? The owner said that fall you took is the greatest act he has ever seen. Gee, Jerry, you did it. $200 will pay all our bills. Uh huh. And furthermore, the owner made me a very attractive proposition. He said that he would give you another 200 bucks to take the same fall every night. You mean I can get $200 for dropping on my head? Yep, yep, that's right. Hey, hey, where are you going, kid? I'm going to call my mother. She owes me a fortune. <laughs> Thank you, Bert Lancaster. Good night, folks. See you next week. Bye. The Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in Hollywood, is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Dick McKnight and Ray Allen with Cy Rose and Mort Lockman. Bert Lancaster is starring in the Hal Wallace production, Rope of Sand. That's a Paramount picture. This is Ben Alexander, suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Tuesday evening at the same hour for the Martin and Lewis Show. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Quiet, Please, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.